Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Wednesday afternoon here in South Carolina. I am recording this from my apartment following last night's great victory. The Nuggets won over the Blazers in Game 5, 124-98, really in dominating fashion throughout. Uh, They started putting up some real separation in the second quarter and then never really looked back. Uh, Had lots of great moments, lots of great performances. Nikola Jokic and Paul Millsap really anchored that. Jamal Murray had some great moments here as well. Lots to get excited about. Lots to unpack here. Uh, You guys have probably already listened to Locked on Nuggets with Adam. He had a great episode about how this game turned out and the ramifications of it. I'm going to speak on it a little bit and then get into some Nuggets takes on where the Nuggets are at right now. Uh, Some hot takes that Nuggets fans feel like firing out, especially after a big win. Nuggets are one game away from the Western Conference Finals, a time period where only four teams are left standing. Only two teams from the infallible Western Conference are left standing. The Nuggets were the second seed, and they've gone a long way to prove that. They've gone a long way to prove that they deserve their placement in the regular season. There are definitely some arguments that they may not have won against Houston, or they may not have won against Utah, but who cares? They did what they had to do to get to this position. But first, before any of that, I want to talk about family. Uh, If you follow me on Twitter, you'll know that I recently, last night, had an event where my grandmother, Diane, uh, 91 years old, she passed away in her sleep. Uh, I received a lot of support on it, and, and thank you guys for being as supportive as you are. I wanted to briefly talk about family, just because uh, throughout this process, I'm, I'm 22 years old, and I clearly don't have a lot to offer in terms of perspective on the real world when it comes to things like family, like major major life things. But what I do know is that, especially in the four years that I've spent away from my family, it's really shown the value of, of having that connection with people who always support you no matter what, who always make sure to get your side of the story that are interested in how your life is going and are willing to go the extra mile no matter what the circumstances are. Uh, My grandmother was like that. She wasn't necessarily super active. She didn't get out of her easy chair that often. Uh, But what she did do was she was always listening. She was always taking an interest in what I was doing. 
and she com- she consistently showed just how proud of me she was uh, to the point where I never had to f- I never faltered with that and I, I sometimes took it for granted uh, especially over these last four years where you spend most of your time in college and you're trying to separate and make memories and and become a man of my own uh, I thought the best thing to do for me was go to South Carolina as far away from where my family was as possible I really wanted to spread my wings and kind of fly and and figure out life for my own uh, as it turns out family is really important it's really important to me it's really important to anybody if they're in the right situation uh, I had to learn that the hard way uh, through a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of stuff that's gone on with my family that I haven't talked about. Uh, This is just one of the major events that I feel comfortable sharing. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes with people, uh, and they're only as strong as their weakest link. Our family is really strong, and we'll get through it for sure. my grandmother, she was a great person. She was always listening, always cared to hear what you had to say, and battled cancer, broke her leg in a car accident, had a lot of things go wrong when not a lot was going right. And through it all, she displayed the same the same sort of humor and, and snarkiness and sarcasm and that that we love her for. Um, she was just a a great person, a great individual, and my time in college has really taught me that making time for family is the most important thing you can do. Uh, Even if you're in college, even if the time that you have is short, making the most of it is super, super important. And for anybody out there that has a distant relationship with their family or hasn't called their family back lately, I invite you to do so just because you never know when you're going to say see you soon or goodbye, uh, which is definitely a morbid take on it, but it really showed to me that I have to continue to uh, stay connected and understand that I have a great family and my family loves me and there's no reason not to stay connected with them at any sort of, at any sort of time. So, all right, that's enough of that. When we come back, I will talk about the Nuggets game 5. Last night, as I mentioned, the Nuggets won in blowout fashion. You had Nikola Jokic putting up a 25.19 rebound, 6 assist game. Very, very impressive numbers from him. Paul Millsap himself, I think, was the MVP. He kind of captained what Denver needed for the first two and a half, three quarters of the game. 24 points from Paul, 8 rebounds. Really did it all in the defensive end, too. He was rotating on the backside, made life difficult 
left Al Farouk Aminu in the corner and, and on the perimeter when needed, and just be, was a backline defender to make sure that Nikola Jokic was in the right place, that Inez Cantor wasn't getting easy looks. Um, Al Farouk Aminu last night had three points, one of eight from the field, one of three from the three-point line. He just was not very confident with his shot, and it really, really hurt what Portland was trying to do. In previous instances, Aminu was a guy that you couldn't necessarily leave if he's hitting 40% of his shots and is consistently looking to shoot it. But now, three shots in 24 minutes from beyond the arc is is not really going to do it. Uh, Inez Cantor also, he had... He was just seven points on two of nine from the field. Really, D- Denver did a great job of, of when Nikola Jokic was on him, he fouled him a couple of times early in the game, but that really, he really figured it out as the game went on and, and wasn't fouling Cantor as much. And, and sometimes the Nuggets switched that matchup anyway and put Paul Millsap on him. And, and when Cantor went to the post against Paul Millsap, there was, there was nothing Cantor could do. Uh, Millsap blocked his shot one time, stole the ball, uh, forced a couple of contested looks that Cantor wasn't able to drop. Uh, Cantor also shot three of six from the free throw line, which seems like a a necessary regression after he's done a pretty good job from there. Uh, In all in all, like this really did seem like the Cantor regression game in game five. Just seven points and eight rebounds for him after he had done a really nice job of of battling with Nikola Jokic. Either that separated shoulder is really getting into him, and he's really starting to figure out that uh, can't really tolerate that pain as much, or Nikola Jokic is just starting to separate himself as a player. The Nuggets did a great job on Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in this game. Uh, Lillard went 9 of 21 from the field and shot just 2 of 9 from 3-point range. Uh, That's what you have to do if you're the Nuggets. You've got to stop the two-headed snake that is Lillard and McCollum. Uh, Torrey Craig did a great job. Gary Harris was excellent tonight last night defensively. Uh, really impressed with what he did. And and even against CJ McCollum, too, 5 of 16 from from the field. Uh, you look at those numbers and you say, okay, if you can hold the Blazers to 14 of 37 from their top two guys, that's well under 50%. Uh, definitely didn't get an efficient performance from the three-point line or the free-throw line. They took just five three-throws between them, and Lillard uh, only made two of them. Two out of five is a really, really tough night for Lillard. Uh, give credit where credit is due to Torrey Craig, Gary Harris, but also to Jamal Murray when he had to switch out on him, to Nikola Jokic for being great in the pick and roll, and for Paul Millsap to be rotating as a backside defender. Uh, this Nuggets team is really starting to defend its ass off. They know exactly what they have to do against this Portland team, and they figured out the pressure points that they have to apply defensively in order to force the Blazers into the shots that the Nuggets would prefer them to take. Uh, So far, the Blazers aren't hitting the pull-up three as much as they did against Oklahoma City, and the Nuggets will take that. They, They can't really stop that as much, but they can close off the airspace and force that shot to come from a little further than they're used to, and that's all that they can really do. I think that Jokic has done a great job of walling off the middle of the paint, 
uh, forcing Lillard and McCollum to take step back jumpers as opposed to getting all the way to the rim and drawing fouls from Jokic. I don't remember the last time Lillard or McCollum drew a foul on Jokic, actually. Um, he's done a great job of, of making sure not to foul. He did foul out last night, but that wasn't because of Lillard or McCollum. Uh, both of those guys have have settled for step-back jumpers, and that's all that you can really ask Nikola Jokic to do. Uh, on the other side of the ball, as I mentioned, Jokic had 25 points. He had six assists. Jamal Murray had a great, great performance as well. 18 points from Jamal, not as efficient uh, of a scoring night from him, but he had nine assists and zero turnovers on the night. When, when you handle the ball as much as Jamal does and as much as Jokic does, uh, those guys for the majority of the regular season were the guys to be the main turnover guys for Denver. Uh, Murray was still kind of learning how to handle that pressure as a point guard. Jokic was still learning how to deal with the added pressure of, of being the primary ball handler. Uh, you don't necessarily see your primary ball handler being a center most of the time, but but the Nuggets have still managed to make that happen. The biggest thing that I've been most impressed with for the Nuggets this year has been the turnover rate uh, in the playoffs. Gary Harris is has barely turned the ball over. Monte Morris has barely turned the ball over. Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Will Barton, Paul Millsap. The highest turnover rate guy on the Nuggets right now is Mason Plumley. He's uh, and that's at ten percent. Ten percent's a really good number, especially if you're if you're handling the ball a lot. Nikola Jokic is under that. Jamal Murray is under that. The Nuggets as a team have done a great job of not turning the ball over. It's one of the things that Michael Malone has preached for a long time, and he's really starting to get that message across in the playoffs, and, and the Nuggets have really actioned that well. Uh, on the year, uh, in the playoff field, the Nuggets are third in the NBA in turnover rate, and they are first among teams that are still in the playoffs. Uh, and turnover rate, I mean by the, the lowest turnover rate. Uh, not turning the ball over. Avoiding those mistakes. San Antonio and Detroit are the only teams that were above them. Uh, Denver is, is at 10.7%. Lowry and Kawhi Leonard, who are, who are not frequent in their turnovers either, within their first foray into the playoffs. And it, it wouldn't have been surprising either. Uh, you've got young guys, you've got their first playoff experience, you've got a high a potential for high turnovers with the way that the Nuggets he'll throw, as he did last night, a, a 90-footer uh, on the... Um, but the way that they pass the ball, the way that they... Things offensively that the other team isn't necessarily ready for, or even if they last night, and converting, were incredible. Uh, he made some incredible passes as well. He made a behind-the-back pass to Nikola Jokic in the pick-and-roll, I think twice, those passes, to be able to convert those in a high-pressure situation. But the Nuggets just keep delivering. They keep doing things that the general NBA crowd just, uh, for that reason, you you think that they would be able to convert more of their shots. You think that they, the defense was relatively similar, especially against teams like Portland and But... Denver did a great job of, of limiting their turnovers in the regular season, 
Uh, they basically ranked, hold on, let me put a, pull it up here. In the regular season, they ranked 11th in the NBA in limiting their turnovers. They've, they've gone to even more extremes to be able to do that. They're the best among the remaining playoff field. So, staff. Got to talk about Paul Millsap, too. 24 points from him. A lot of them in the canter. I know that he he really, really wanted to be able to play in this series. Three. Uh, but over the last couple of games, the Nuggets have attacked side. He really is the weak link defensively against Portland. And, and the Nuggets are making sure that wherever he's at, they are making sure that whether it's Paul Millsap or whether it's Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray attacking him in in a switch there. Uh, he played 26 minutes, was a minus 19. Uh, Millsap, who I was supposed to be talking about, uh, he went to against uh, Mo Harkless, against Al Farouk Aminu, and against, and against Inez Cantor. No matter who it was, he, he scored in that first half and in the third quarter. He really was unstoppable. Uh, the chemistry he has with Nick put pressure on the defense by posting up and, and taking some pressure off of Denver's offense. Denver doesn't necessarily have to run the Jokic because they have an option in Paul Millsap who can take advantage of mismatches. And and he didn't necessarily post up this well during the regular season, so it's nicely in the regular season to work on his post game. They've really paid off in the playoffs. He's a real professional uh Really exciting to see a not be able to come to an agreement on contract terms. But if you're a Nuggets fan, then you have to want Paul Millsap back for basically whatever number contract, like three years, 90 million that they offered him a couple years ago. But you don't want to let Paul Millsap walk and not have. Uh, he played 34 minutes tonight, was a plus 18. He really helped anchor the lineups that were with Mason Plumley on the bench. Help them survive those minutes with Alright, wanna get into some of these Nuggets takes from NBA fan from Nuggets fans. Uh, I put out a tweet last night about whether the Nuggets fans had their hot takes ready for a Nuggets Numbers podcast, and so I wanted to share some of those on air right now, get my opinion on them, see whether, see whether, uh, see whether I think that they are legitimate or not. So, first one, Nikola Jokic is a top five player in the NBA up to the James Harden level in offensive creation. Well, that second part is definitely true. Uh, Nikola Jokic has done a great job of creating offense for others. Uh, no matter what the situation is, he's been passing, he's been scoring, he's been creating shots, he's been manufacturing possessions in isolation situations, he's been doing basically whatever the Nuggets need him to do. Uh, going to go to his, uh, his passing stats right now on NBA.com just to really illustrate this. Jokic is second in the NBA in the playoffs in assist points created. He's up to 22.3 points per game in creating points off of assists in the playoffs. Uh, During the regular season, that number was at a mark of 17 per game. So 
under five point increase basically in the playoffs. It's done. It's actually down in turnovers this year, uh, which is something you really want from a creator. You want to maximize the number of possessions that they have in the. Whether you're isolating, posting up like a like a Jokic in the post or a Harden at the top of the key, or if you're on a consistently great place to succeed, uh, Jokic has done that. Uh, he only had to put up crooked numbers on a consistent basis. Uh, in terms of the top five NBA in offense, I don't know how you can really argue with that, especially in a playoff context. Right now, uh, the the guys that really stand out in that regard are his game to another level. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have the same passing, but he may be one of the best scorers of all time. Like on on the Kawhi Leonard has been unbelievable in Toronto. All Jokic has done so far, and Kawhi Leonard has to contend with Jimmy Butler. Stop him! He's been unbelievable. Um, but after those three guys, I think it's very fair to put Nikola Jokic fourth. Has not been that kind of guy. Uh, James Harden uh, has taken his game to another level, and, but you could still argue that Jokic is third uh, right now. Uh, the way that Jokic is creating shots for others, the way he's shouldering that load, and how efficient he's been with his own individual offense, um, and that's a fact. So... Now, I think if you're going forward, you probably take Stephen Curry because he's a legitimate at that point. But I would probably put Jokic fourth right now behind, in order, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, and in 12 postseason games for Jokic, 24.5 points, 13.1 rebounds, 9 assists, 38% from three, 86% from the free throw line. Like, those are absurd. And the boards as often as Jokic does. Uh, he'd probably average more points, but I don't know. We we would just have to see. Jokic uh, is basically putting up a, a thresholds, but it wouldn't surprise me if he got there before the end of the second round. He's just been killing Portland. So we'll just have to see. Uh, that's a take that I feel pretty strong about right now, but he has been a top five player in the playoffs. Uh, in terms of some of the other guys that I'd, I'd still give the nod over him, Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, James Harden, um, LeBron James, I still think is a better player than Nikola Jokic. I I get it. I just can't fathom putting him above that guy. Uh, Giannis, good for him. I think he deserves it and and deserved his MVP. I think he's going to get MVP. Um, but it's on the fringe of being a top five player. That's and that's absurd. If if you said that to somebody at the beginning of the year, they'd think you were crazy. But give the next take. Uh, Jamal Murray has been the best point guard for sure. Uh, to go through all of the point guards in the second round in the Eastern Conference, you have Milwaukee with Eric Bledsoe, Kyrie Irving in Boston. Uh, in the West, you have Chris Paul with Houston and Stephen Curry in, in Golden State. And then on the other side of this matchup is Damian Lillard. In the second round, uh, let me just pull up the numbers really quickly. Uh, there haven't been a lot of great point guards in the second round. Uh, been very impressed with what Jamal has done in the last five games. Uh, what what more can you say about a guard that's in his age 21 season? He's 22 right now. But in the last five games, most teams have played in the second round. Only Damian Lillard is averaging more points. 
than Jamal Murray. Uh, Murray's averaging 24.8 points in his last five games, 5.4 assists, 5.2 rebounds, 1.6 turnovers. He's shooting 34% from three, 44. He's, I think he's the only point guard to be able to do that right now and to be able to say that. Uh, I would say that Damian Lillard has not been as uh, the rest of Jam- uh, the rest of Damian Lillard's game is still fantastic. Um, other guys, Stephen Curry has not been as good as Jamal. Uh, Kyrie Irving has definitely not been as good as Jamal. Uh, Chris Paul has been good, uh, but he's still turning the ball over more. Uh, not scoring as much, ne- not nearly as much. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's really hard to to argue that point. I'd say that the only competition that Murray really has is against the point guard opposite him and Damian Lillard and and the Lillard. Jamal. He's been the best point guard in the second round, uh, and to be able to say that against some of the names that I've stacked up, uh, the figured each other out. Stephen Curry's really struggled with the the small ball that Houston is playing, and and Portland doesn't have the same quality because I think. The best defender that he's faced over the course of... I love Derek White. He's good. Uh, I I personally enjoy Mo Harkless' game, but, I mean, that's not a lot of defensive competition. Uh, in the pick and roll. Uh, he has Nikola Jokic aiding him. So, you don't want to blow it out of proportion too much, but uh, is he the best point guard in the second round? No. No, I, st- I still obviously take some of the guys that are ahead of him, uh, Kyrie Irving, but these se- this second round and, and these playoffs and games against San Antonio, he had the one great quarter for the rest of that time. Ever since that point, he's been awesome, uh, has really answered every test. Uh, the last thing that he really has to do is, is what more can you ask from the guy who's age 22? who's in his secondly transformed into something special, and, and I'm excited to see what he has in store for next year. Another take. His ceiling is an all-star, given his ability to drive and shoot into the paint. There is so much asked of guards these days. Uh, it's really hard. Could he be a really good starter in the mold of a Clay Thompson, but not necessarily as good of a defender as Clay Thompson? I think that there's a there's an outside chance, but I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, that go to the All Star game, that that are capable of, of putting up the guys that can can make the flashy passes guards. Uh, it's not necessarily of other than a random Kyle Korver year that is a consistent off ball shooting guard. I think that Beasley can certainly continue to grow his game, but to say that he has an has an all star ceiling at this point, I think is a little bit over the star ceiling. Either I really think that his ceiling is just below that as a as a high caliber starting guard who doesn't necessarily get all the credit that he deserves. Harry Harris kind of in the in the Drew Holiday or Mike Conley kind of tier. Uh, could Malik Beasley reach that level where you don't necessarily? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's kind of the top 30, top 40 player in the NBA. 
if you could get that from Malik Beasley, then you got to be happy with it. Um, Bree Harris, Jamal Murray, Will Barton for most of his career. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Nuggets do over the course of the next couple of seasons. Happy to just accept a bench roll in Denver and try and get a, a solid return for him if 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 Gary Harris is entrenched to said. Malik Beasley's ceiling, it's not necessarily all-star, but if he's a high if he's a high caliber starter of a ceiling, I don't know about that. I, I really do think that what we're seeing from Jamal Murray is a guy who can who can shoot off the dribble, who can create his own shot, create shots for others. Again, he had no- Gary Harris is going to be a really, really good player for a really long time. I don't know if he's ever going to get the credit that he fully deserves uh, star role. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a like a 20 point per game guy now. Uh, that's just my opinion, but I think what Denver wants to do going forward, they're, like, they're going to need a third guy outside of Jokic and Murray long term. You, Some people are hoping that it's Michael Porter Jr. It could very well be Gary. I think that changes. There are things that he can work on, like tightening up his handle and getting better and, and more focused on defense. That and But there are things that make over moments that Jamal has. There's, that's just stuff that you can't really teach. Another take, Denver plays six, but, I mean, how, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they handle this game six in Portland. You don't want to crown them just yet, and I don't think it's that simple. They've, they've shown in their series that... Uh, uh, the guys in Golden State and the guys in Houston have consistently played heavy minutes, and I don't know if the of those guys can play defense. All of those guys can switch. All of those guys rotate, and really, really with Houston, the if the worst defender on their team is Nene, like the Nuggets are, the Nuggets are going to have a, a tough time. Uh, Clint Capella has issues. James Harden gives the Nuggets a lot of issues. I think it's it's shooting your shot a little bit too much that they can stretch a series to six games. I know that they're in game two when they lost that first round game. So we're just gonna have to see. I'm games like this this season has been a success. They've they've done a great job and getting to the Western Conference Finals wasn't the expectation. It was a really fun time for the Nuggets fans. Um I don't think that the Nuggets are the second best team in the West. I don't think they're the best team in the West. They could be the third best team, Western Conference bracket, and it's not really close. So, either way, going to be a lot of fun. Um, and again, the last tweet that I had was, we have a legit... Ch- Both of those guys have stepped up and have played great, and I still don't think that the Nuggets push any of those teams beyond five games. Like, that's how dominant they are. That's how tough of a mismatch. Nikola Jokic to do what he's going to have to do against Golden State and against Houston. Uh, and the Nuggets saw that in the regular season. Uh, a guy, because he can. Because nobody can stop him. Um, James Harden's continuing to put up unbelievable stats. Gary Harris, while he's a great... I think that's just kind of how it is. And they're going to have to hope that those guys miss. Um, when you're hoping somebody miss, and that's really all you can do defensively. So... I don't know. I, I'm i a little bit skeptical, obviously. I remain skeptical, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the Nuggets couldn't push it to six games. I just don't think that they will, and and that's fine. That's like, again, they've been successful. So, 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for me for Nuggets Numbers. Again, thank you guys for sending in questions. Want to know what you guys think I should do with Nuggets Numbers in the off season? Uh, I do have some plans, but if you guys are interested in, in me getting on certain guests or talking about certain analytics that you guys are interested in, uh, from net ratings to percentages to advanced metrics, uh, would love to get into that. Uh, the season is officially close to, to coming to a close, so going to be interesting to see how that develops, and, and I'd love to keep Nuggets numbers running for maybe not uh, once every other week, but maybe I do it once a month during the during the off season, and we see where it goes. So that's going to do it for me. I'm Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Thank you for listening to the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. Please check back in next week for the dig. Uh, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Go Nuggets for Game 6 and Game 7.